welcome to another episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I'm joined by the other guy. Yep, I'm Dale, the representing the Christian or Seeker side. Okie dokie, and today we have got a fantastic topic uh, to talk about. It's my week uh, this week, and we're going to talk about the reasonableness of disbelief. Uh, but first... Uh, before we get into that, just a little bit of housekeeping. I want to uh, recognize our fantastic, our fantastic commenters uh, that we have. Thank you, one and all. And uh, each week, uh, we're going to start taking just a little bit of time at the beginning of each show uh, to do a little bit of follow-up from the last show uh, and maybe highlight one or two of the best uh, uh, comments from uh, the following week. Hopefully there's at least one or two uh, seeker comments and one or two skeptic comments. Uh, and the key is that they are actually on the topic of the thing that we were talking about. So where there, there are lots of comments and lots of discussions, uh, we do want to encourage more discussion about this, the subject matter that we actually talk about in the blog and on the podcast. Uh, we, we do select these topics for a reason and uh, we hope to provoke some thought there. Uh, this week, uh, our highlight is uh, listener, seeker, author, author, our resident Catholic, uh, who put in a lot of time uh, developing uh, some links about uh, Alexandria Philo and uh, his uh, particular views on Logos theology, which go um, even deeper into uh, the topic than what we were uh, going into this week. And uh, I just wanted to let uh, him and everyone else know that uh, we promoted uh, that link section to the blog proper uh, itself because it was uh, it was of, of value. And so uh, thank you, uh, author, for that. And uh, everyone uh, dig into that this week. The reasonableness of disbelief. So as you know, I'm a disbeliever, an unbeliever. Um, and the thing is, I used to be a believer, uh, and what I hear a lot today, uh, is, are, uh, is Christians talking about the reasonableness of belief, which is, I think, a much lower standard than what they should be shooting for. Oh, uh, uh sorry. So, so David, just before you get into your case, um, Remember our, our format for the audience sake. Are you making any positive claims this week or, you know, specific presuppositions and that sort of thing that you want to mention? Well, uh, sorry, answer, sorry. yeah, so uh, the answer is uh, yes, I, I think so. Uh, so my claim is that um, disbelief. Uh, or the lack of acceptance of a God belief is reasonable. I, I think that's a claim. Uh, so, yeah, that, that is a positive claim. And I'm, I'm contrasting that to the positive claim of the Christian, which I think is actually fairly weak sauce, uh, that it is reasonable to believe. Uh, first of all, I don't know a lot of skeptics who would deny that proposition. Uh, most days, I don't deny the proposition that it is reasonable to believe in God. I, I actually, uh, this might come as a surprise. I don't think it is completely unreasonable for a person to believe in God. Now, I, I don't believe that the uh, belief is uh, particularly justified. 
I don't think the reasons are particularly good reasons from a logical perspective, but I do think that people have reasons. Everyone has a reason for believing what they believe, even crazy wrong things. And those reasons aren't necessarily bad. Uh, I mean, they're, they're certainly not something that we couldn't understand. Uh, so I, I do understand why many people are believers in things that I think are outlandish. Uh, and I don't think that for them it is unreasonable for them to hold that position. So I, I, uh, I kind of shrug my shoulders when Christians take a kind of a, a really what I think is an ultra defensive position of just punting to the lowest level of reasonableness to, to make their claim. Well, it's reasonable to believe, and then they make the belief, and therefore you should believe too. And really, all they, could, all they really should be arguing is, you know, you should stop being mean to me uh, and pretending like I'm unreasonable for believing this. Uh, I would actually agree with them, uh, by and large, uh, on that. But they then kind of make the leap of, you know, if I can prove that it's not unreasonable even God, then, uh, then therefore, it, the only reasonable position for you is to believe as I do. And that's kind of where the claim goes wrong uh, a little bit for me. But the other reason I think that the claim is particularly weak on the Christian side is because it doesn't matter. It does not matter uh, if it is reasonable for you to believe in, in the lowest type of uh, definition of reasonable. Don't care. Uh, what matters is, is there... Uh, is, is it therefore epistemologically necessary for me to believe just because it is reasonable in a limited way for you to believe? Uh, and so the Christian still has to make that case that it is epistemologically necessary for me to believe. And that is the case that they have not made, and that is the case that I'm responding to. And so I think that it is uh, a, a much stronger statement for the skeptic to say it is reasonable for me to disbelieve your claim. And the reason why that's a stronger statement is because if the skeptic is right about that, then the Christian project of evangelism is lost. It is a lost dead cause. They can never acknowledge that it is reasonable for a person not to believe in their God because then they can't blame that person for not believing their God. Their God has no justification for punishing a person for not believing their God. And so somewhere in their minds, they have to say that you are being unreasonable if you don't believe my claim of a God. And so it is a stronger statement when the skeptic makes this statement, and that is the statement that I am making today in um, a skeptic that I plan uh, to to prove with my argumentation. Now, before I get any further, I also want to take a moment uh, for definitions because um, Dale in his blog this week, I think, um, made some statements early on that confused definitions. And so I just want to uh, attack that head on uh, for the moment and say definitionally, I am not saying uh, that there is no God or that there can be no God. These are things that I actually believe. That is not the case I am making this week. Um, so uh, please attack me on the case that I am making and not on the case that I am not. Uh, 
the definition of atheist has nothing to do with whether there is no God. It simply has to do with whether you accept the claim. Someone says uh, there is a God, and you say, you know, I don't, I don't think you've proven your claim. That's it. If you want to go with a definition beyond that, you're just creating your own definition, your own straw man. Um, that definition does not define what I'm saying. It probably doesn't define what anyone in the audience is saying. Uh, and I will waste very little time attacking or defending against your straw man if you want to say something else. Um, so, that said, uh, disbelief, uh, it's not so much uh, a positive assertion that there is no God, but I simply don't believe that you have justified your claim, and having looked at your claim, I don't believe it. So if you, if you don't understand the nuance, listen to about 12 years of the atheist experience. And, uh, and then when you're done with that, come back and we can talk. Um, before I move on, in fact, I'm going to take a, a breath and just give Dale to, uh, a chance to respond to that so that we don't have a later issue in this podcast uh, the definition. about definitions. Sure. So, so David's right. So, and it's it is partly David's fault because if you remember last week, he asked me to write my blog independently of his. So my my case is semi-independent. I'm not directly responding to his. I'm giving sort of an argument, and I, I constructed the argument thinking by disbelief he was making a positive claim that god probably doesn't exist and he's rationally justified or reasonable in believing that so um after david uh, got back was kind enough to get back to me and say that's a total straw man you know blah 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 so david you'll be happy to know that my argument will apply even to your definition of atheism it applies both to anti-theism and it applies to atheism as defined as simply a lack of belief so i, I have modified my blog uh, to accommodate both definitions. Um, now, one definitional note for for you. Um, so you contrasted. So you think it's reasonable to disbelieve, aka to lack belief. Um, I I equate reasonableness with rational justification to make my case. Um, are you? happy if I use the word rational justification. It just means you you've personally got reasons to lack belief or something like that. So here's the answer. I don't know. We might get tangled up in that <laughs> definitional okay. quagmire later. Uh, okay. Because there, is, there, are, uh, there are traps here. Uh, I have fallen into them before. I might follow, uh, fall into them today uh, that get deeply philosophical in areas that I'm not really prepared for. So okay. there are things like uh, reasonableness, as, as Dale points out, there is justification, uh, and there is warrant. Warrant is another word that I suspect is going to come up. Um, and uh, I think there's nuance in these words, especially as Dale tends to use them. And so I don't know gotcha. exactly uh, how he's going to be using them and what I will and won't agree with. And I might <laughs> agree with something early on that I, you know, later I realize, oh, wait a minute. No, I don't. I don't actually agree with that. <laughs> so, gotcha. Okay, so I'll define it. When I make my case, I'll define it. Because I, I use rational justification and reasonableness as, as synonyms, a, a basic, straightforward thing. You've got rational reasons. To... Okay, so I I think I agree with that. Cool. Okay. okay so I'm, I'm just kind of step, stepping lightly 
through here knowing that I'm probably going to get my leg blown off. Um, no, but no, no trap intended, but yeah, so, sorry. So, can, so continue then. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to be very brief and I'm actually, you know, for once just following the outline of my own blog. So I don't, I don't really have anything to say outside I'm actually of what is prepared to provide. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's see how this goes. So I, I will just actually uh, mention briefly the bullet points, uh, and uh, you know we might talk about this later. But it is also important to note Dale does have his own independent argument. So his argument isn't necessarily a rebuttal for this one. But what I, I think, just to make it clear for everyone. Uh, let me go through my argument and then Dale, we can have some discussion over that. And then you can go through your argument and we can have some discussion over that to keep them separate. Sure. Cool. Okay. So, uh, first, uh, the reason, uh, reason number one that I think it is reasonable to, uh, disbelieve is, uh, a, a rare appeal to authority on my uh, account, and so I want you to recognize that this is uh, rare and also limited in how I'm using it. Uh, we all have appeals to authority. Uh, from the time we are born, uh, we appeal to authority, and authority is anyone bigger than us, and that's pretty much everybody. Um, and, you know, we go home to our, our mothers and our fathers, and we grow up, and what they say is the highest authority in the world. And we believe things, most of the things we believe, probably up until the time we were six, are just because our parents said it. It doesn't matter how ridiculous it is. We're, we're going to believe it. That is, in fact, an appeal to authority. Um, and then we go to school and we're told to uh, obey uh, the teachers and the principals and the, the powers that be there. And so we are going to also believe things just because they said it. Now, as we grow up, we realize that the authority figures in our lives are idiots. But th the damage is done, if you will. There is a sort of an indoctrination uh, that it, it's very hard, if not impossible, to completely get rid of all of the things that we learned from our early authorities. And I would say that the number one reason that people believe in God, and particularly the God that they believe in, is because that's what their parents believed. Now, there are, you know, exceptions to this. So don't, don't at me uh, on that. But I'm, I'm saying, as a rule, if you grew up in a Muslim culture, you're going to be Muslim. If you grew up in a Hindu culture, you're going to be Hindu. If you grew up in a Christian culture, you're going to be Christian. And within that Christian culture, if you grew up in a fundamentalist culture, you're going to be fundamentalist. There's a, you know, there is a... Um, a cultural uh, attachment to to this belief, and I, I equate that to authority. And so, when people believe in some outlandish thing, it is often because the authorities in their lives uh, inculcated that into them uh, in their formative years. Uh, so, in my case, I would say that I would also. Uh, appeal to authority in the same way for not believing. So all of the, the authorities that I care about as an adult uh, tell me, or at least indicate, that disbelief is the better position. And rather than go into to more detail on that, you can read the blog, maybe we'll have more discussion about that. Uh, I did provide a link 
uh, please go into that. I will just say that there is reasonable justification based on uh, authority to not believe. And so I think that, uh, you know, in a limited way, that is that is a good reason uh, to have a, a default position, if you will, of, of non-belief. Uh, a second reason would be uh, the intuitive case. So uh, we believe in things that are intuitive to us, that make intuitive sense to us. Uh, you know, if, um, if, if a child tells a parent uh, that they left their book bag at school, uh, the parent would probably believe them. But if the child tells a parent um, that they uh, had their book bag uh, sucked up in a vortex um, from an alien ship, their parents will probably not believe it. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not true. But, but that doesn't make intuitive sense for us at all. Um, and so uh, I would say that when things don't make sense of the world as we understand it. And granted, we, we have limitations on our understanding of the world. But based on that understanding, when things uh, become intuitively contradictory to that, it, it's very hard to believe it. And so from my perspective, uh, the God proposition and the Christian proposition does not make intuitive sense, and it is contradictory to how I understand the world. Now, I can be wrong about my understanding of the world, but right now, my understanding of the world is not unreasonable. And therefore, the God proposition not fitting into that is also not unreasonable. Um, academically underdetermined, uh, we heard that word a lot a couple of weeks ago in a podcast on uh, unbelievable. I just thought I would use it here. I think that uh, if you get beyond uh, the first two uh, criteria I've laid out, uh, this one is a little bit uh, more uh, more solid. So, you know, let's say that we want to get past our authority uh, fixation, and we want to get past what seems to be intuitive to us, and we want to do some actual study. Well, academically, uh, we don't really get to a faith in God either. Uh, now, I acknowledge you get to a place where it may not be unreasonable to believe in God, but uh, pretty much all of the issues surrounding the God claim are academically undetermined, uh, which is to say academics who are inclined to believe or talk about these things or study these things deep, deeply disagree on almost all of the major points. And all of that disagreement uh, tells me that it is not unreasonable uh, to withhold belief um, because the, the greatest minds in the world, in, including those who want to believe and do believe, can't seem to agree on, on why one should. So um, another uh, point that I would make is that I cannot believe. And I think this may be the best reason why it's reasonable to not believe. Um, we do not have libertarian free will on what we will and won't believe. Even if you believe in, in you know, some, some forms of libertarian free will, we do not control what we actually believe and what we don't. We might, in some limited way, be able to determine what we want to believe or what we try to believe. Um, 
I'm not entirely sure that we even control that. But we don't control what we actually believe. And so, uh, for instance, I am incapable of believing in the flying spaghetti monster. Can't do it. Uh, I'm incapable of believing um, in a in, in a scenario where Hogwarts is real uh, in the Harry Potter universe. Can't I can't do it. I'm incapable of believing that Zeus uh, is a real figure. Uh, it's not just that I don't believe these things. I can't believe these things. I can't make myself believe them any more than I can make myself believe that I would be perfectly safe and unharmed if I stepped in front of a, a moving vehicle. I, I simply can't believe that I would be okay. Uh, in the same way, I can't believe uh, the Christian God as described to me for any number of reasons. We can talk about some of those reasons, but um, you know, it, it almost doesn't matter what the reasons are. Right now, as my mind is configured, I can't do it. And you can say, well, but you can put yourself in a position of believing. And I did that. I was a believer for more of my life than I was an unbeliever. And for the parts when I stopped believing, I was I tried to remain a believer. Uh, and I probably tried to remain a believer for more times than I've been an unbeliever uh, now. So, I mean, it was a major part of my life uh, to do my best to hang on to belief. Uh, and I went through some, what I would consider fairly extraordinary measures to do that. Uh, and so it is not merely that I do not believe, it's that I cannot, uh, at this time, without some reconfiguring of my brain, believe in the fact that a person who, at least at one time, wanted to believe, who could not believe, is, seems like it's reasonable then that disbelief is a, uh, is a good position to have. In fact, I would say it would be unreasonable for me to claim belief when I am in the current uh, state that I am, where I... Where I truly can't. Um, a, another uh, one of the points that I would make is that uh, there's no way to test it. There's no way to test the claim. So once again, even if you could convince me to want to believe again right now, uh, I would still be stuck at the uh, point of, okay, let's try this. Tell me how I can uh, test the God claim. Just give me some method of doing that. A, there's no method you can give me that I haven't tried and B, uh, these days I've run into Christians who mostly wouldn't give me a method at all. They would say that it can't be uh, verified in that way. And so I will leave that there for further comment. There's no way to test the claim, and so it seems that uh, disbelief in the claim is at least reasonable. Finally, my personal experience. So Christians often give as a reason why they believe that they had some kind of personal confirming experience that God is real. Well, bully for you. If that is, in fact, a good reason for you to believe, then the fact that I have not had such an experience is good reason for me not to believe. Uh, so I will leave it there. Dale, you may rebut. Okay. Okay. So um, this is the, I'm going to rebut David's claim here. So I'm not going to lay out my case or state my claim at this point. Um, but there, in order to rebut his point, I do need to clarify the difference between reasonableness, uh, what David's calling reasonableness, uh, or what I would call ration, mere rational justification. So I, um, that 
it's just on an epistemic uh, standard. It, it's you you have internal reasons for why you believe it. it the the beliefs could be totally false. Uh, they could be unwarranted. So. Th- um, that's the distinction that my argument is going to hinge on, the difference between reasonableness or rational justification and warranted uh, beliefs. Um, so warranted beliefs uh, constitute knowledge. They have to be warranted true beliefs because tr- true the beliefs being true is part of the definition of warrant. Um, and that's really the level of, of knowledge. That's what's important for you to to know that God exists, or that Christianity is true, or, or even that uh, your that David is has knowledge that he his lack of belief is reasonable, or something like that. Um, rational justification is just it's less it's a less strict standard. It's just you have rational reasons which justify your position. Um, so that's a distinction when I'm, that I want you to bear in mind as I'm rebutting, and it'll be important to my my claim or my main argument when I get to that. Um, okay, so his his first one, I, I think this is his most substantive one for for the skeptics. Um, yeah, well, I think this is this is one that's most persuasive. Let's say that uh, for a lot of the the skeptics in our audience. Um, so appeal to authority. Um, so so David makes the point that. Look, we, we have various authorities. He, he gives a poll in his blog that I, I checked out very thoroughly, uh, polling the, the world's scientists compared to the uh, population. This is an old survey. It goes back to 2009 by uh, Pew Research. Um, and they, you know, David will claim that, look, the, the majority of scientists, according to David, um, don't believe, they're atheistic. They don't believe in God. So therefore... It, it's, 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 it may be unwarranted, but it's rationally justified for me to appeal to these, these experts. And since they don't believe in God, I just go with the flow. I just go with them. So, okay, so my attack on this front is three-pronged. Um, so in the first place, on a most basic level, uh, David, we all know, and you acknowledge in your blog, that appeal, mere appeal to authority is a logical fallacy. Um, it does not lead to warrant. And I would claim, what my eventual argument, independent argument is gonna say is, if you know that you aren't warranted, then you can't be rationally justified in um, thinking uh, thinking that something is the case. So because you accept the laws of logic, you don't believe the you know, the same way as I do, but you do accept them. You're not a postmodernist. You're not, uh, you don't deny the logical law of non-contradiction. You, you go with it. And logical fallacies do not lead to warrant. And you, you are aware of this fact. So therefore, you can't claim to be rationally justified in appealing to an authority as a reason to lack belief. Uh, so that's my first line of attack. Um, should I should I turn it to you or give all three and then? Well, uh, maybe give us some color on warrant because and show what you mean by that and how it's different from uh, rational. Um, the right. other term you used. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. See, it's it's part of my case. So so warrant. Um, I I take the definition, and this is a, one of my presuppositions that. 
knowledge is a warranted true belief in and that entails warrant in the the same way that Alvin Plantinga defines it. I think he's done the best job at defining uh, what knowledge is through his his notion of warranted true belief. And warrant, so defined by Plantinga, is this. So um, by warrant, we refer to a belief that is produced in a person by cognitive faculties functioning properly, so subject to no dysfunction, in a cognitive environment that is suitable or appropriate for those uh, kinds of cognitive faculties and which are operating according to a design plan that is successfully aimed at truth or i.e. producing true beliefs. Um, Planting goes on to say that there are degrees of knowledge. So furthermore, that when a belief meets these conditions and and enjoys warrant, uh, the degree of warrant uh, it enjoys depends on the strength of the belief or the firmness with which that person holds it uh, to fulfill those conditions. Um, so that that's the operating definition of of a warranted belief. So so something someone can be rationally justified uh, and yet be unwarranted in something, right? So. Um, for example, I could be rationally justified in believing that there is a red uh, pen on my desk, but perhaps my cognitive faculties are subject to dysfunction. I'm hallucinating, so I, I'm unwarranted because there is no red pen on my desk. But on the level of rational justification, I'm rationally justified in believing my senses. It's an ordinary uh, object and normally my faculties function properly in that regard so I, I could be rationally justified in believing yeah there's a red pen on my desk uh does does that help distinguish it there yes so i'm not entirely sure i care about warrant for this argument because Correct. I, don't, I don't actually care whether the belief or disbelief is true so i i acknowledge in my argument that there could be a god and it would still be reasonable to disbelieve it. Now, I have other reasons uh, for that, uh, and I'll, yep. I'll just preview one of them right now. Oh. Um, well, um. I mean, just just so that we can, just so that the audience can understand sure. what I'm what I'm saying about warrant versus ra- uh, rational justification. Um, so let's assume that there is a god, uh, and so the only warrant one would have would actually be to, to come to that knowledge and accept that. Um, however, the reason they don't believe in a God is because it was so badly presented by God's representative. Uh, they said false things about God. They said false things in you know their statements that were demonstrably false. Uh, they presented it in a, in a terribly uh, garbled and confused manner. Um, and so... The, the hearer has every reason to reject what the person is saying while what the person is ultimately saying uh, that there is a God may absolutely be true. Now, I, I'm not actually concerned about whether it's true. I am right. just concerned that there is good justification to disbelieve it. And the person who disbelieves it cannot be blamed for their disbelief. Right. So, so David is absolutely correct. His point is that look, rational justification is a, is a separate thing that can be obtained, whether one has a true belief or it's false. That can also be obtained whether one is warranted or not. And I, I gave the example of 
um, where someone could be unwarranted, such as if, if their faculties are malfunctioning um, to produce a, a false belief. Um, but there's, they could still be said to be rationally justified. But, but the argument, the first argument I'm giving against this appeal to authority, refutation, and this is going to be relevant in a different way to my other argument, but I, I'm saying once you are aware, so, so someone could be rationally justified but unwarranted, but they don't know that they're unwarranted. They, they're not aware of that fact. They, they think they are warranted. So that, you know, if, if they understood the definition of warrant and that sort of thing, they, they would say, yeah, I've got knowledge that there's a red pen on my desk. But what, I, what I'm arguing against is once you are aware of the fact that you are unwarranted, you can't, you can't then rationally say, but I'm rationally justified. You have to abandon that belief. So in the case of your appeal to authority, you're aware that that's an unwarranted thing. You're appealing to a logical fallacy to make your, as a reason, why you lack of belief. And I'm saying you can't do that. Once you're aware that you're unwarranted, you have you can't be rationally justified if you're aware. Does that make sense? It, it does, but I, I question how bad the appeal to authority is. So okay. I, I, I was loath to even include this because my case was sufficient without it. Um, oh, I'm glad you did because it, it illustrates an important... I'll shut up. Sorry, it's your turn. Well, no, no, it's okay. It's a conversation. Um, so, but I, I actually felt like I needed to present a balance because I'm always uh, inveighing mm-hmm. against the appeal to authority. And I actually think that one of your flaws is... Uh, you appeal too much to authority. You care too much about authority. Uh, but m- what I really mean by that is you you appeal to authorities that don't actually have any, uh, or where the, where in a in a That's field where there is where it's not justified to claim that a person has authority. Um, so, Therein lies my second my second attack to your to your argument. By the way, okay. right. So <laughs> I actually do believe that it is okay to appeal to authority in areas where the authorities are legitimate. So yeah. um, you know when we you know the reason we uh, throughout the various machinations of society pay scientists to do science mm-hmm. um, is because we as average people cannot do it. Uh, and so we, we trust that authority that we have set up in that process that we have set up uh, to have these people teach us things about our universe. The reason we trust doctors um, is because we're, we're not all going to medical school. That's just, that's just the way that is going to pan out. Um, and so, th- you know, when we say, well, I'm going to follow my doctor's orders, that's a p- an appeal to authority. But it's a proper appeal to authority. So I, I am uh, the case that I am making um, is a appeal to proper authority in the in the in a proper domain. So that's why I call it a, a limited appeal to authority. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and granted, I, I think that yeah, that uh, so you know when people make a common mistake that you know if you're just appealing to authority, they said it, therefore it's true. That's 
a logical fallacy. That's unwarranted. But that doesn't prevent someone from appealing to actual experts uh, that have knowledge, valuable knowledge or insights on a particular field. So that's entirely valid. And that's what I would say I'm doing when I appeal to biblical scholars or philosophers or scientists, logicians, and that sort of thing. So, so you're absolutely right on that. So, so here's my second level attempt then. Your appeal in the poll is to scientists as though they are experts in this field and their opinions matter about whether God exists or what religious affiliation in, this, in the second poll that they have. Um, I would say the scientists are not experts in the existence of God. They're training. They, they don't take a single course in arguments for or against the existence of God. They're concerned with the details of science, you know, in biology, how does a cell work? How does that stuff? So, so philosophers or theologians would be the experts that you should be appealing to. The, the scientists are just ignorant in, in that regard. They, they may be knowledgeable outside of their discipline, but yeah, I would just say that it's a complete misnomer. Why are we, why are we polling scientists as though they have knowledge about how logic works or how metaphysical arguments for God's existence works or arguments for the historical evidence for the resurrection? That, that's not their discipline. So who cares what they think? Yeah, so I would just disagree with uh, your assessment of that. So okay. your overall excess assessment of authority is uh, reasonable in proper domains of authority. I, I agree with all that. We just disagree on what proper domains of authority are. So um, I would not you know, necessarily look at scientists to answer a direct question of, is there a God? What I would say is that the people who have studied the universe most carefully and that we have entrusted to tell us about the universe do not come to the conclusion most of the time that there is a God. They come to a different conclusion when, when they are asked that question. Um, and so, you know, you can then ask a second question, which uh, is not necessarily a topic of this discussion, but hopefully will be the topic of another one. Uh, well, then who, who is qualified to answer that question? Now, I, I would say nobody uh, is qualified. I don't. I don't think that theology is actually a proper uh, academic domain at all. Uh, so I, I think that's. I think that's kind of a fake intellectualism. Almost, it's like um, you know, granting a degree in um, magic in, in fairyism. I mean, I don't. I don't care. And, you know, if someone came out with a degree in fairyism, I don't think that most people would respect them. Um, they wouldn't respect them as, as experts on anything. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of how I feel about uh, theology there. When you're talking about the, the nature of God, who, why, why do you think you know that? <laughs> you know? Okay. Yes. So I would just say that's entirely wrongheaded. I, I would respect the expert in fairyism. I don't believe in fairies. I think it's ridiculous to believe in fairies. But I would respect the fairyologist because they've actually devoted time to studying. That that doesn't mean I would appeal to them as a oh they're they're right about it. But I would respect and listen to their reasons over and above a scientist. Scientists, I listen to them in their domain. So. For example, with the Kalam cosmological argument, right? There, everything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. And we're not going to debate 
the Kalam cosmological argument, but scientists discipline is relevant. The cosmology or astrophysics, that's actually relevant to this argument. I would listen to science as experts for the second premise. I would not listen to a scientist about the principle of sufficient reason um, unless you're unless science speaks to that. So quantum physicists, I might listen to them if they say that certain quantum phenomena happen without causes or something. So I just recognize the the limitations of the discipline that it, you know science itself doesn't deal with God or or supernatural or you know anything along these lines. It, it's just outside the scope of the discipline. I respect that. Cool. And then I take the knowledge I can get and then I can use it in a different context. So, yeah, I would just... Just to kind of hit off some of the frustration of the listener, this is a subject of another show, but I would, I would, I see your point, but I would simply say that I don't, the reason I don't agree with it is because I think that the God proposition and the Christian proposition as presented by Christians is in direct conflict with science. So I I do believe that there's a conflict between uh, science and religion. And okay. you you do not, and so that's that's part of our difference. But okay. I, I think that you would concede that if I am right, I mean, looking at it yes. through my lens, if there is a conflict between uh, science and theology, it, then it is proper for me to say, well, I think the scientists are experts uh, to mm-hmm. to speak in their domain, and if what they're saying conflicts with science, I mean, theology, then it is reasonable for me to listen to the scientists. Yes. Now, once again, I mean, there's only in the limited scope that you would agree that science and theology uh, conflict. Yes, I, I know I would agree 100 percent that if if something is an object of scientific knowledge and that com- conflicts with uh, overall theological system of belief or, or a philosophical argument, absolutely, you have the right not to appeal to authority, but to use you know, to look at what the authorities have to say. It, their it would be the proper de- authority to, look, to to cite. That that yeah, would be the yeah. a, the limited thing that I would be claiming here. Yeah. So so here's the problem, though. Your poll doesn't get into those details. It doesn't say that the majority of scientists think that there's a contradictory thing. It just doesn't tell us. It just tells us this percentage of scientists doesn't believe in God. This percentage does believe in God, blah, blah, blah. So it the poll itself doesn't give us those details. Maybe they've all been brainwashed. Maybe they, and that happens in the academy, as, as I said. This Francis Collins, do you know how much opposition, just because of his religious beliefs, he was an excellent scientist. Everyone acknowledged he was a great, amazing person at doing his actual discipline of science. But when he was selected um, to be the head of the genome project or whatever, that there was so much opposition from atheists simply because of his irrelevant religious beliefs that prior precedent showed had no impact on him doing his science. His his so- proper science was not affected by his religious beliefs in any way. Um, so there, there is, there could be, I'm not saying that is the reason why these atheists, why there are so many scientists who are atheists. Um, but I'm just saying we, we don't know. The poll doesn't give us the details that we need as to the reason why. And, so, and my third, this leads to my third point. You're just plain wrong. And the majority of scientists are not atheists. 51% believe in God or a spiritual higher power. They, they support me. 
they don't I, I mean obviously it's not in it's not specifically God but they're appealing to something beyond their science the spiritual higher power so the majority of scientists are against atheism so you should just follow them and believe not be an atheist you shouldn't lack belief you should believe in something spiritual positively secondly in your second poll on religious affiliation 52 percent of scientists believe in a religion um sure they break that down into protestants mainline protestants blah 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 but if you just look at religious belief in general the majority of scientists believe in a religion a specific religion um they're not atheists or or have no opinions or something like that so yeah i would say even if even if your argument holds you appealing to authority you should become a religion you should not lack belief in god or a spiritual higher power or whatever you, you should believe in something spiritual um so yeah that, that's my three-pronged refutation of, of using this appeal to authority uh yeah so i uh encourage people to follow the link look at the poll um uh, examine the data for yourself. Uh, I think that Dale is wrong about me being wrong. Uh, but I, you know, um, so for instance, yeah, higher, higher power is, uh, in that poll, but specifically, uh, God, as most of us formulate God, uh, the scientists don't believe. So for instance, there are plenty of scientists, uh, that are deists, uh, and uh, then, you know, some Christians would claim, oh, you see, that person believes in God. No, they don't. Um, so I don't, I, I think that that is a, a reach uh, that is unjustified. And so when you look at uh, this particular number, the, the particular breakdown that I'm looking at uh, right now, 33% uh, believe in God. Uh, 18, think, uh, hold on, no, let me, let me just put these numbers out. 18%. Correct don't believe in God, but do believe in a universal spirit or higher power. So they, so they are making a distinction there. And yeah. the bigger number is 41% uh, who don't believe in either. So that would be a plurality, but it's, I think it's, uh, for instance, wrong to cut up the numbers and say, well, you know, 51% therefore uh, believe in God. I, I, I Why is that reading they're rejecting atheism. So that's, well, I would say they're rejecting your God. So, you know, once again, I, I, the poll is out there. You can read the data for yourself. You don't have to, you don't have to listen to either one of us. Um, and, uh, take a look at the data. It's there. The other part of this data though, uh, that I, I, once again, I highlighted in the blog, I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's data that everyone can look at. And I know that our, uh, listeners, uh, look at the sources. Uh, so, uh, that said, I found it very interesting that the numbers are reversed in the scientific arena. So uh, the younger the scientist, the less experienced and younger the scientist, the more likely they are to believe in God, which tells me a lot of people go into the scientists, sciences believing in God. The older the scientist and the more experience they have in the sciences, the less likely they are to believe in God. So... Um, this is one of these one of these scenarios that's completely opposite uh, from the uh, the general population. And the general population, 
Uh, young people are less likely to believe in God. Older people are more likely to believe in God. But in, an, in the field where people study the universe and how it works from every angle, the longer you do it, the less likely you are to believe in God. Okay. So my, my question to you, and I, I, this will be the last probe that I did, unless you want to continue on it, because I, I know that you no, have other No, points. I know. We've we got a lot to talk about. I just, I, I, it's, it's an interesting discussion. Uh, by the way, uh, remember, if you have something that in- interesting to add to this, we would love to do a little bit of follow-up on this next week. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, study the material for yourself. Don't take my word or Dale's word. It's all, it's all there. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, you know, 33 plus 18 equals 51. So my math isn't wrong. But, but um, okay, here, here's the point that I wanted to ask. You asserted and assumed that the, the reason the majority of atheist scientists are older and the younger ones is because, oh, their experience is what's turning them into atheists. How do you know it isn't brainwashing? They went to school in a, another time. It's like, um, you know, the old time Hollywood. Why do they all talk weird in the 30s and 40s? I want some water, and I'll get me clear. It's because they're all trained in school. They're brainwashed to adopt the mid-Atlantic accent. It could be the same with these old farts, these old geezers in science. They've been brain, and they were. We know this is a fact about academia, the way it was. You know, logical positivism. I, I don't know how old you're, you're talking about here, but the, the point just is... Read, it, just read the data, kids. Um, go ahead. No, that's fine. The data, the, my point is the data doesn't tell us why. And I don't even see where you're getting about older versus... Oh, okay, I see the ages. Yeah, okay. No, it's there. Yeah, it, yep. the ages are there and all that. It's, it's fine. And the fields and that. Yeah. Um, but again, the data doesn't tell us. David has asserted and assumed that it's because their experience with and knowledge of data, scientific data is providing them with a reason to dismiss it that that's not in the survey that's just made up so yeah yeah no, that's cool it's it's not unreasonable that's true it's it's a it's plausible definitely. so i'm i'm just talking about uh reasonable justification rational justification here but it it's not rational to assume things, right? Because it's it's well, also you, you just read a... the you read the data and you draw your best conclusions. I think that I hear Christians say all the time, you know, we it's it's the best inference from uh, the evidence. Okay, so well, I, I would I am, just say... I am making I am making a reasonable, rational inference from the data, which once again we don't have to dwell on too much because the yeah. audience has the data in front of them; they can look at it themselves. Okay, yeah, so my last point on this, and I'll move on. I'll just say it's not even rationally justified. The lesser, not forget about warrant, or it's not even rationally justified, given what's in that survey, to lean one way or the other. We just have no information to adjudicate why the numbers are the way they are. So, yeah, that, that was my third point. So, okay, um, the intuitive case... Um, so my refutation of this is, I would just say, so in the first place, you would have to likewise also accept properly, ba- it sounds like you're talking about a properly basic belief here, and almost, um, you know. No, we're, I'm we're, definitely not, but go but ahead. It's, it's, it's the same thing as what you call intuitive knowledge. You, you speak exactly like me. You, you say, well, I, I'm you just. You take that I, back, in, sir. Well, I, I can read the quote if you want. I can let me try to find where you say that you can um, you go with what your intuitive knowledge is until you learn differently, something like that. Um, yeah, with a property basic belief, you don't learn differently. 
you, you equate that to knowledge. And what I'm talking about, uh, one's intuition, is one's best judgment based on the information that they have Gotcha. Right now. Gotcha. And it's okay, a very so, different thing. Yes, and, and that is true. So, so yeah, properly be. So basically, if in, in what you call intuitions or what I would call properly basic beliefs are just operating at the level of rational justification that, again, we, we are aware of the fact that that does not provide us with warrant. Therefore, that same argument applies. Um, you wouldn't, you can't, once you are aware that you are unwarranted, you can't claim to be rationally justified. So yeah, that's the only counter for that one that I have. Um, yeah, so I disagree with uh, your your application of warrant here. First of all, I don't I don't know that I buy your whole idea of warrant anyway. I'm not a Plantingian uh, philosophy follower, so I I know that you are, and a lot of this comes from there. So uh, this is a particular formulation of an idea. That said, um, I don't even know that I don't know that your application of this actually holds. So when I say that um, a, a person's intuition tells them a thing, by intuition, I don't just mean, you know, flip a coin and see what happens. I mean, it's the information uh, that they draw based on the information they already have. Uh, so, for instance, if you have uh, information that all of the jelly beans in a jar are red uh, and someone asks you to draw a jelly bean from the jar but don't look at it and asks you what color it is it is you are justified to say red now I acknowledge that you may be wrong about your prior knowledge that all of the jelly beans are red but that's the knowledge you had going into this and so it, you would actually be unjustified by saying blue, even if you were holding a blue jelly bean in your hand. It would be not justified, not rational for you to say blue. Okay. Um, so, Based on so, your prior knowledge. Great. So I would say this then. So forget about planting as definition. I, I, need, I need that. I, that's true. And I plan on doing a show where we discuss different, what are the different definitions or notions of knowledge and why do I think planting as notion of a warranted true belief is the best. Um, but let, for the sake of argument here, let's forget about that. Forget about planting as definition. There, there is this, you, you yourself and your claim have made this distinction between what I would call warrant or you, let's just call it knowledge, however you define it. Um, you make this distinction here, right? You're saying that someone could be reasonable, but not have knowledge so our intuitions do not if our intuitions according to you do not provide us with knowledge and we are aware of the fact that it doesn't then you can never be rationally justified once once you're aware that you don't have knowledge however you define it you can't go back and pretend this this previews your argument a little bit, and I just want to save you from going too far in there because I I think it's an interesting argument that I want to I want to save as much um, for when gotcha. you make your case as possible. Yeah. Um. I, let's just say that I disagree with you <laughs> on it, but it is it is an argument worth um, presenting, and I appreciate you coming up with it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So this we are going to talk about knowledge a little bit 
but I, uh, Dale and I are going to have some major disagreements, I think, on knowledge and the usefulness of knowledge. So, for instance, uh, I will say, as a, just as a way of trying to, t- to deal with his rebuttal now without trying to deal with his main case, <coughs> um, I don't think that knowledge, as, as you think of knowledge, is necessary. I, I don't think that it's... I have to be careful with this because this is going to sound very unintuitive. But I don't, I don't, th- I don't think it's ever necessary. Uh, uh, as, as Teddy, uh, as listener seeker Teddy would say, uh, we're never going to have complete 100% knowledge on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I think that there well, are some things where we would have 100% knowledge on. But that said, I would agree with her in, in large part about a lot of things. Um, and I don't think we need it. We just don't need that level of knowledge in order to make our way through the world and be justified for the choices that we make. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, well, don't forget. So, not knowledge can come in degrees. Um, so, it's you don't have to have one hundred percent knowledge to to qualify. And um, yeah, I would just I would just say that. It, it's sort of related to your other point, right? You you can't choose what you believe or not. Um, yes. In this case, one, once I'm aware of the fact that I don't have knowledge, forget about my my argument depends on planting his definition of knowledge. What in my refutation here, I, I'm broadening it. I, I don't know what the definition is, but we just know that we don't have it. That is necessary. Once you're aware of that fact, you can't then claim to be rationally justified. You you. You are forced logically to go, yeah, I'm not justified because I, I, I know that I don't have knowledge, so or I'm aware that I don't have knowledge, so you, you can't go on pretending like you're rationally justified. You, you just, but yeah, that, I'm gonna I'm gonna save my response for for your case, but uh, okay. cool. what, so I, I had some other things there that you that you might want to uh, sure. take a take a swing at. Uh, so academically underdetermined. Um, so, so again, uh, th- so David makes this argument in regards to the specific Christian propositions, the entirety of all the biblical Christian proper propositions, part of that are Christianity. And yeah, so I, I do agree that we can't prove, um, we can't directly prove everything with argument, logical arguments or evidence or that sort of thing that, that I believe personally, right? Um, I, I do think we can indirectly get there if I can get the Bible being sufficiently attached to Christianity and then I, I'm rationally justified or warranted in believing that Christianity itself is true, then I can get those, those doctrines indirectly. Um, but yeah, let Okay, so so things are undetermined if you're talking about the full entirety of all my Christian beliefs. Uh, I can't directly prove every single one of them, but I I just would say, yeah, my, I guess my counter to this is who who cares? No, no one ever claimed that. I I can't prove that the virgin birth actually happened directly through historical evidence or that sort of thing. But the evidence that God does provide, as long as it's sufficient. Um, then that then that's enough as long as it's sufficient to believe those things as being true or whatever that that's all you need um, so so why does why does um, the fact that it's underdetermined 
in the sense that we can't directly prove each and every single thing, the virgin birth, water turned into wine, Jesus saying I am, blah, 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 as long as what God, as long as what we can hypothetically prove is sufficient to get those attached doctrines, what, like why does everything have to be, why does underdetermination matter it, as long as we have sufficient evidence, I guess is my question. Well, so you say we have sufficient evidence. Uh, I'm not even trying to make the case that we don't. So I'm, I have to be very careful here. I don't think we have sufficient evidence, but that's not the case that I'm making. I'm making the case that it is also sufficient for us not to believe and that it could go either way. And it is not determined enough to then put an epistemic requirement on me to believe it. Right. But your, your reason for this, let, let's pretend for the sake of argument that the evidence is sufficient. You see the, sh the shroud and the resurrection, you're like, holy moly, awesome. Um, well, no, well, let's, so, but let's, sufficient let's just, for whom? I mean, because it sounds like you're saying you. it's sufficient for everyone, and I'm, and I'm trying to no. make the acknowledgement that it could be sufficient for someone, but it's not necessarily sufficient for everyone. No, not here. Let, so let's pretend for the sake... Your point here is independent of that. So let, let's pretend it is sufficient for everyone. 100%. You're, you're convinced by the resurrection, let, let's say. But you're saying that you're reasonable in lacking belief, even if you've got 100% knowledge that the, the resurrection of Jesus happened, that Christianity, you know, proper, as I would call it, can be proven uh, through whatever means, however... Yeah, that's not really what I'm saying, though. Okay. So, well, that, yeah, I, 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 it's more of an overall thing but I, look I can take your I can I can take where you're going and run with it too I think I think I can also make that work so go ahead okay well yeah but it, this is me refuting your point so if I've misunderstood it because I thought you were saying well, look even if I got the resurrection you can't pretend I can prove everything in the Bible except Jesus turned water into wine it's underdetermined therefore I lack belief I would say that's irrational um, that's the point I was making, but if that's not what you're arguing, then yeah, like maybe that's not, that's not what really what I was arguing. But I, I look, I'm I'm going to try to give you as much of your argument as I can, uh, even if it lands me in a little bit of hot water, um, just just for the sake of keeping it interesting. So let's say um, you are able to prove to my satisfaction that Jesus rose from the dead. So we've we've already had this discussion. So you and our longtime listeners know where I'm going. Um, and I'll, I'll just it, let you up. Yeah, it would it simply wouldn't be enough because all you will have proven is that someone rose from the dead, and that is not the entirety of the Christian claim. Now I understand that you want to, you know, attach that to all of the other unique claims in the Bible, but I I would simply say. Yeah, man rose from the dead. Uh, this is good reason to believe that we have uh, alien intervention uh, from from more advanced from more advanced cultures who who visited us uh, two thousand years ago. Uh, that's that's just as good of an explanation. Or I could say, oh, looks like uh, looks like Satan is real um, because here you know things like necromancy and such seem to be real in the Bible and now we've got someone uh, who's raised in the dead from the dead necromancy doesn't prove God 
uh, doesn't prove your God. And so it still doesn't get to Christianity, and I don't buy your efforts to attach it um, as, as such. But that's, that's kind of where I would go there. So it still wouldn't be sufficient. It would still be reasonable for me not to be a Christian. So, okay, so no, it wouldn't, because the, I get what you're saying, you're right, right? But that, that's part of, when I say I've sufficiently proved the resurrection, there, you know, we, I'm saying we've dealt with the factual issues, and we've dealt with the explanatory models, aliens, blah, 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 they're all out, the Christian God is real, he resurrected Jesus, or, or whatever, like I'm, I'm saying, pretend we've got got that well, to yeah, where... That's, that's, more than I'm, that's more than I'm able to grant in be coherent i think <laughs> so. yeah what i want to i don't want to attack a straw man though so like what what is what is this argument i don't understand what your what is this reason that you well, what, what do you mean by academically that, yeah on on just about every issue uh that matters to christianity uh when you put two two academics uh usually you know we can give you two christian academics they disagree on major aspects of it uh, so, for instance, did Jesus uh, atone for our sins uh, on the cross? You know, what, what, what salvation happened there? Well, we don't know. Did, was Jesus God from the beginning, uh, or uh, was, did Jesus graduate into godhood? Um, you know, the, theologians seem to disagree. Um, were, was there a fall of man that now we have to kind of overcome or was there not uh, theologians theologians are not on the same page here um, so these, these really important issues um, you, you, where you would expect to find unanimity uh, you don't so okay. I, I, I think that the fact that you don't find it there is reason enough to doubt that the case has been made as strongly as the Christian would uh, have you believe. Okay, okay, so I see what you're saying. So it's, it's um, you would question that you, you think that it's in what God has given us, even if being charitable, pretend, pretend you could even say pretend everything in the Bible is, is 100% proven, you are satisfied, the entire world is satisfied, it's all true, biblical inerrancy kind of thing. Even then, it's you think it's insufficient. We, we would require more. We would expect there to be more. Like explain to us the model of the atonement. Explain to us a, f a fully fleshed out philosophical, philosophical model of the Trinity or something like that. Yeah, I think a, I think a, a systematic theology uh, would be maybe a good place to start. Um, okay. and systematic uh, and clearly understood cosmology would uh, make a lot of sense. Um, a systematic and fully fleshed out uh, angel and demonology would make a lot of sense since you know we're supposed to be helped or harried by these creatures there's there's a lot of things that are important that are simply um, either not discussed or are discussed in such a way where everyone disagrees on it we can you know I mentioned in the blog you know I mentioned some examples so people can read the blog mm -hmm. uh, but one of the examples I mentioned is uh, is punishment uh so if this message is so important and it's so important for us to believe it what are the consequences if we don't that doesn't seem to be laid out very well because you can't seem to find two christians on any given show who agree with that uh so it's all pretty underdetermined and it kind of feels a little bit made up after a while 
Okay, so, so yeah, in the context of this show, so I, I, you, everyone knows my Christian defense of this. I, I would just say that you're wrong. Your expectations are um, irrational because God, what God has given us is sufficient for his purposes. But on the level of you being rationally justified, um, you, you think that you should expect more. Yeah. Um, okay, so. I expect more in every other realm every other realm if someone asks me to join the army there's not a question that i couldn't ask uh that a recruiter couldn't answer um that okay, would satisfy me they could i can i can become satisfied enough to put myself in that situation but i can't i can't with christianity okay well we'll put it this way from you are aware you personally even though you have this perhaps what you think is a rationally justified expectation for more, you're also aware simultaneously that for most Christians, despite these confusions, are able to understand, it is sufficient for them to understand Jesus died for them, salvation is the main point. Um, maybe there are some gray, some gray zones where people disagree or we don't have a, a proper full understanding on every single thing, but most Christians, find it sufficient what they do know for the purpose of the bible so right so i'm granting i'm granting the christian that i don't i don't actually you know if that were if i were making a different case that it's unreasonable to believe i wouldn't grant this but for the sake of this argument i i have no problem uh, with granting you know in limited fashion that it makes sense for a christian some for the people who believe it makes sense that they do believe they have reasons that i would not argue against but But i'm suggesting that their reasons are not sufficient for me and i am not unreasonable for their reasons to not be sufficient there are people who are uh let's face it dumb as stumps uh who who believe things about the world that simply aren't true but based on their prior knowledge understanding of the world makes perfect sense that doesn't mean that that's good enough reason for me to believe what they believe. Okay. But it is good enough reason for them to believe what they believe. Right. And I don't care about them. I'm caring about you. I'm presenting this as data for you to consider in contrast to your expectations. So you're right that a lot of Christians are dumb, but there you are aware that there are a lot of Christians that are smart and that have thought about these things and have realized they can't answer some questions, but that's still not a problem. So I'm, I'm just, I, I guess I'm just... Well, but I listen to how rash. they answer them. Like, for, no, you but, know, for instance, but, Justin Briley is an example that I use a lot because, you know, I've been on the show with him, I've debated with him, I've read his book, uh, you know, we've written a counter uh, to his book, and it's how he thinks, how he comes to his conclusions are mostly what we're dealing with. And so I would say that when you look at someone like Justin Briley, who's clearly a smart and talented person, uh, mm-hmm. whom I respect, uh, when I look at the things he believes and why, I, I do not feel that they are justified. And I, can't, and I do not feel that his reasons are sufficient. And the same is true when I look at William Lane Craig, who is smarter. Um, but when I when I look at his underlying presuppositions and reasons for believing things, I, I do not find that it is a suitable justification for me. Right, but that that's irrelevant. Remember, your point is under determination. So remember, you you in this example, you, we are saying that you are it is sufficient. You listen to Brylin and went, "Holy cow, he's right." 
on on these some things, but it's just you haven't gotten enough things, and that that's what I'm trying to counter by on the level of, without going into uh, you know it's easy for me. To, well, well, sure, you're you think that, but you're unwarranted or something, or to make the same point. And I'm trying to avoid that to save for my case, right. but on I, the I level, of, that. <laughs> yeah. So, so on the level of pure rational justification, I, I'm I'm granting the, you that you have this initial a priori rationally justified expectation on your part but i'm also trying just trying to throw in for your consideration have, have you factored in that the vast majority of christians acknowledge that there are these gray zones but it's not a problem it, it's still sufficient like does that factor in at all in your your consideration like not really uh okay. because i don't i don't believe that it is not a problem for them it is a problem for them you know, when I talk to okay. Mike Lacona and Gary Habermas, these gray zones are a problem for them. Okay. Uh, they, they have ways of dealing with them and pushing through them, but that doesn't mean it's not a problem. It is. Um, gotcha. It's a problem for Justin. It's a problem for every Christian that we've had on the show, uh, except maybe Lydia. She didn't. She did not express the same kind of <laughs> hesitation as some of as some of the others. Uh, I love you, Lydia. Lydia, let's let's do it again real soon. Um, uh, but it's, uh, and I mean that sincerely, by the way. Um, in fact, ho- hopefully we can get Tim <laughs> as, yeah, as well. I, I, I'd, I'd love I, to have them both. Yeah. But um, in fact, I'd love to have them both at the same time. But um, that said, um, yeah, I, I, I disagree with the, the, the setup that you're making that okay. these guys, that it is sufficient for them and that they don't have a problem with it. I don't think it is sufficient with them for them. They do have a problem with it. And they are reaching for something beyond the evidence to deal with that problem. And that, that thing that they're reaching for is something that I don't have access to. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so on that one, I, I would say it's it's a draw. I, I, I can't, at least just strictly on the level of rational justification outside of my argument that I'm, I'm going to be making, that you're, you're unwarranted in having that, therefore you, you aren't rationally justified. Um, I, I can't really break the tie on this one that I... That I can think of on the spot, then. So, all right, fair enough. Um, oh, you cannot believe. Okay, so this is the one you you added in today. Yes. So, and I actually I, think it's my strongest argument. So. Okay. Um, what? I'm not entirely sure if it's relevant. So, so first in the first place, I totally agree with you that we. Can, I'm not. Uh, um, Believe I'm not a proponent of doxastic volunteerism. There's your technical term, Tara. Uh, we we can't just choose to believe or not believe, right? So it's, we've it's stated what I call this libertarian free will of belief, but doxastic uh, volunteerism is the the correct technical term. Yeah, yep. I remember uh, Tara was thrilled when she learned that new word. So um, yeah, so I, I'm on your side. Um, I believe that's true. Um, obviously, I think that we can choose what we believe indirectly. So we can set ourselves up. You know, this is where my real seeker criteria come in. We, we can set ourselves up in a position so that we are, you know, be uh, so that we do change our minds and change our beliefs, not directly through our free will, but naturally when we learn new facts. So, uh, you know, I, I can set myself up to learn that uh, I'm doing it right now. I'm when I'm 
when I finally get to go back to working, finishing off my cosmological argument, when I'm looking at the science, right, I'm setting myself up. I'm going to be watching all of Skydive Phil's videos that he sent me back in the day on this. And he's got great interviews with the world, some of the world's experts who are atheists and argue for eternal cosmological models. I'm, I'm putting, I'm choosing to put myself in the position where I could learn some fact from them and go, wow, I, I guess I can't prove that the universe began to exist or, or even say, wow, I, they're probably right. The universe is eternal. So I can set myself up to change my beliefs. Um, so I, I, Agreed. Don't... I agree. I agree with you on that. Uh, it's, uh, it's like uh, a person who refuses to believe that the earth is, is spinning at an incredibly fast rate. <laughs> I don't feel no spin. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's fine. Uh, you know, and I understand why they believe that. Um, yeah. uh, but they can put themselves in a position to learn more by, say, going to school. Um, you know what? Then if a person doesn't go to school and they just maintain that belief, then I would begin to question whether they're rational in that belief. But the fact that they haven't been to school, you know, they're, they're you know, the South or the Midwest, they're farmers, they graduated from the sixth grade, they're doing just fine on their farm. Um, I, don't, I don't think they're irrational necessarily for not believing some true things about the universe that are hard to understand nor do I think they're necessarily irrational for not going back to school because they're, they're eking out a living and that, that is their life. Um, but I would, I would say that that person needs to be a little bit more epistemically humble since there is a lot of information out there that they know is out there that they haven't had a chance to study. Um, yeah. So I, I'm just trying to be as charitable as I, as I can Obviously, I, I think that if you can go to school, you should go to school. But if you haven't been to school for whatever reason that is beyond your um, ability to do anything about, it, does, it doesn't mean you're irrational for believing something not true about the universe. Yeah. Um, I find, I, okay, so I just consider, I do think this is your best, strongest argument. I don't think I can actually refute it. Um, so I, I do believe this is true. I don't believe that we choose our beliefs, therefore, purely on the level of rational justification or, or being reasonable. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think the Bible itself says this, right? Like you, without the help of the Holy Spirit, you, you can't even get to a, uh, you can't believe in God, right? It's impossible for no one seeks after God and that sort of thing. Um, and it, it could be even with the Holy Spirit enabling skeptics to various degrees depending on their being a real seeker or not um yeah i i, I don't know i don't i don't i, I, agree, attack I agree with you you would have to sprinkle in this extra thing uh i i, I would call it magic but you have to sprinkle in this extra thing to get past this um problem now i understand how christians do that uh, but I can I can even use theology to say that not everyone was meant to believe, um, and we can have that argument too. Yeah. And I don't I don't necessarily want to have that argument uh, right now. I, I'm just saying that for whatever reason, you can say that my 
uh, spiritual de- spirit, spiritual detector is broken. Um, that doesn't that doesn't offend me, uh, at least not today. Uh, okay. I would simply say, uh, okay, well, I'm just a guy with a broken spiritual detector. I'm doing the best I can, though. I'm using my best lights, and I don't, I don't see your God. I don't believe it. And so I, I can no more believe in your God than I can believe in the tooth fairy. Yeah, well, and well, something, let, let me... something has to change. Uh, either something has to change in my brain to make me able to believe it, or the God or the tooth fairy has to do something more proactive to make me believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let me say, say this then. So this, this is my real seeker thing. And I, I've clarified before, but it, it doesn't sink in that I actually believe that some skeptics are rationally justified in not believing in Christianity because of this God element. They, they, what the skeptic is responsible to do is to be a real seeker after truth, uh, they, fulfilling those three criteria. That's their responsibility. After that, it's on God. So someone could be a real seeker. I, I was myself, um, at the very least for, for two years. Maybe I was deluding myself prior to my Islam incident, but at the very least for two years, I was actively and consciously a real seeker in the full sense of my criteria, but yet, God didn't reveal the truth of Christianity to me. It took him two years. Um, so I, I do think that there can be skeptics before the point of no return uh, who don't believe in Christianity, um, but they're real seekers and they are rationally justified in, in not believing. Um, so yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of conceded. Um, I'm a little bit iffy on when it comes to the existence of God because of book of Romans as to whether someone, I, I personally believe that even an atheist can be rationally justified as a real seeker and, and not believe. Um, but yeah, there, I might be wrong on that because Romans does seem to say that when it comes to the existence of God or these general moral laws that uh, you you have to be, you, you, you are not rationally justified in um, well, let's see. Let's see how the time goes after you make your case. We might get back around to that. Um, it's it's a topic I always care about, and it is uh, kind of relevant to this subject. But it would it would eat up another thirty minutes if we try to launch into it right now. That's fine. Yeah. I, okay. All right. Cool. So, so my case then. So here's my case, and it's it's going to sweep away all all of uh, David's reasons. I I believe if successful. So. I'm actually making a counterclaim, a positive claim of my my own this week. Um, so I'm claiming that uh, atheism and anti and or anti theism. But David clarified he's just talking about atheism as a lack of belief. Fine. So my claim is that atheism, uh, assuming it's true, means that skeptics are totally irrational. They are are not reasonable. They are unreasonable in disbelieving in God or religion. Um, as a matter of fact, I would take it they're they're unreasonable in believing anything or disbelieving anything. They have to be pure agnostic skeptics on everything, and just in this state of perpetual inconsistency and hypocrisy. Um, so. There are a couple presuppositions here. So in order for this argument to work, I am assuming Alvin Plantinga's tripartite definition of knowledge as a warranted true belief. Um, the second presupposition, I got rid of 
the the one about anti-theism, so that's gone. But I'm also presuming that uh, on atheism, uh, the modern theory of neo-Darwinian evolutionary mechanisms are the sole explanation for how our cognitive faculties come about. So obviously I know the two are not equated. There can be atheists that don't believe in evolution and there there were for centuries. Um, so the, the two are not connected, but I'm just presuming because I, I think that most of the skeptics or atheists in our audience, including David, you guys believe in evolution. So I, I don't think this will be contradictory. You, you do believe I mean, that- to be, to be clear, I'm a strict materialist then perfect then there you go um so this this will apply to you 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 believe that evolutionary mechanisms are the the explanation for how we got our cognitive faculties there are no immaterial or supernaturally guided or you know god design there's no god design or supernatural design elements from an, from an intelligent being as to how we got our cognitive faculties Right. Uh, I don't know if it means that I say that it's impossible uh, that that happens because it, I've, I've said on a number of occasions it, it wouldn't actually matter to me if there was a first mover, uh, a deistic God. It, it doesn't change my, it doesn't really move the needle for me. Uh, I, don't, I don't happen to think there is, but um, as far as strict materialism goes, I think that uh, strict materialism is sufficient explanation and requires nothing on the writing on top of it. Okay, but on but on, definitely on a balance of probabilities, you you don't believe that's probably what happened. You you side on the fact that naturalistic evolutionary mechanisms are what caused our cognitive faculties. Right, right. Okay, on, on a balance of probability, I think that that is uh, very likely the case. And, okay, uh, you know. I think I think a lot of Christians, well, some Christians, uh, maybe you, depending on the day, would say yes. Well, that may be the case, but there's this other thing, kind of like your your uh, dual uh, your um, uh, your your um, argument for the soul um, that it's um, it is coincidental with the physical mechanism, but not dependent on it. So you can say, well, yes, um, these things happened naturally, but that is, you know, also coincidentally, it was God doing this other thing to make it happen. I don't need the coincidental part. The, the natural explanation is enough. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so great. So, so I think people get it that what my presupposition is in, in making my claim uh, in regards to evolution, it, it's doesn't postulate some coincident designer god i mean if you want to grant that great i would love welcome to the club as being a, a deist at least and we can work from there but uh, <laughs> um so so yeah this is i'm going to be using an argument developed by dr elvin plantinga uh and it's a it's an epistemological argument it's it's known as the evolutionary argument against naturalism or i Atheism. I, I'm equating the two: materialism, naturalism, atheism. Um, so remember his his definition of knowledge. So remember the difference between rational justification and actual warrant. So knowledge is having a warranted true belief. Just I'll read out the definition again so people remember. So by warrant, I'm referring to a belief that is produced in a person by a set of cognitive faculties 
that are functioning properly, so subject to no dysfunction. Remember my hallucination of the red pen, that would be a, an example of dysfunction. Um, and they're operating in a cognitive, a suitable cognitive environment appropriate for those specific cognitive faculties, um, operating according to a design plan that is successfully aimed at producing true beliefs. So what according the, to a design plan, um, I already said that. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I'm just I'm just highlighting and making sure oh, that I this is important. And, and by design plan, that doesn't necessarily in, um, mean intelligent design. So so evolution, naturalistic evolutionary mechanisms, could have a quote unquote design plan. They could be included. This is a broad definition of design here. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't okay. talk that way. Uh, it could be that some evolutionary biologists would talk that way, but I, I wouldn't use that language. Uh, yeah, I think I don't. I don't think in terms of evolution is having any kind of design plan. Right, but in the broad in the broad sense, I think they wouldn't like the words, but they would agree with the sense that of of the broader sense of which it's going. I don't. Right? <laughs> so I'm not I'm not sure they do or not. I'm not an evolutionary biologist, nor do I play one on podcasts. Um, Are you gonna so, let me make okay, sir? Yes, I, I will. <laughs> just I just wanted to I that one that one jumped out at me, and I I had not uh, seen that one before, and I wanted to make sure that um, that we put an underline on that one. Yeah. So okay. So yeah. So design plan could be evolutionary mechanisms operate according to the design plan of natural laws, uh, physical natural laws and stuff like that. Um, but yes, you, you do highlight that. Okay, great. So now on the on theism, uh, as a Christian theist, I can obviously the conditions for warrant, it's plausible that they could be fulfilled, right? I could be entirely wrong that Christianity is true, that the Christian God is true. But I could still be rationally justified in thinking that um, because there's a plausible means for warrant to be for all the conditions of warrant to be fulfilled. Um, so I, I'm not, even if I'm totally wrong, I'm still ra can still be rationally justified. Um, even if I'm sorry, even if I'm unwarranted uh, about the Christian God being true, I can still be rationally justified because I'm I'm not aware that I'm not fulfilling the conditions for warrant. I think I have. On the other hand, with atheists, though, I I think this. It's impossible with this art under the evolutionary argument against naturalism or atheism because we can question how does the atheist uh, know that his set of cognitive faculties, all these reasons that David's come up with, he's using his own internal cognitive faculties that are produced through evolutionary mechanisms and evolution, the naturalistic mechanisms of evolution, natural selection or genetic mutation, these are not aimed at producing true beliefs necessarily. They're aimed at producing beliefs, actually they're producing behaviors, not beliefs, but um, selecting behaviors that are beneficial for survival. Survival value is what the whole what our cognitive faculties are aimed at right we have certain neurology this produces certain behaviors neurology would also possibly produce the beliefs as well let's just assume that um, epiphenomenalism is false and the beliefs are connect their neurological functioning or whatever um, so that that's what the process is aimed at and if that's the case it's it's irrespective 
of whether the beliefs themselves are true or false. It, that's totally irrelevant to evolution's purposes of survival. False beliefs can produce behaviors that are beneficial or adaptive um, for survival purposes, but are false. And you know, so for example, if I, an example that I saw some philosophers using is, look, let's the behaviors are what allow us to survive or what natural selection operates on, right? If I see a tiger and I have the desire not to get eaten and I, I believe that by running away and hiding, I will not get eaten, that will lead to my behavior of running away and hiding and hopefully I survive. Therefore, I pass my genes on. But by the same token, there are a whole host of false beliefs that could lead to the same behaviors um, and therefore the same outcome. Natural selection, you survive. Maybe I'm really stupid and I believe, you know, the, the tiger is a nice, uh, a nice kitten or something like that. Uh, and I want to pet it. And I think mistakenly I have the false belief that by running away and hiding, uh, that's the way I can get close to the tiger and pet it. My belief's totally unwarranted. It's false, but it gets me. It gets me to the point where my behavior is running and hiding from the tiger, and I bada boom, bada bing, I survive. Um, now, a more realistic example that all atheists, most atheists, I think, will agree with is that, and I think David himself will agree, is think of it this way: religious belief or belief in God. This. How many atheistic evolutionist proponents think that this is a false belief that was selected by natural selection and evolutionary mechanisms to aid our survival, but yet they're false, they're unwarranted? Um, so, yeah, obviously this kind of thing is true. E evolution can and does use um, false beliefs produced by cognitive faculties that are geared towards survival value rather than aimed at producing true beliefs. Um, so based on that, the skeptic has no way of knowing, um, of fulfilling the conditions for warrant and therefore having knowledge. And if you're aware of the fact that you don't have warrant because you're aware that, hey, you believe that our faculty, cognitive faculties are produced solely by evolutionary mechanisms aimed at survival, not aimed at truth, then you can never have warrant. And once you don't have warrant, you cannot have rational justifications. It, um, the skeptic kind of used an example in his conclusion of uh, Santa Claus. And so it, it may be rationally justified for a, a little kid to believe in Santa by appealing to their parental authorities. They just don't know any better. They're not aware that this is an unwarranted means of having knowledge. But once that kid becomes a teen and goes through his um, rough transition is, is what David calls it in his blog. And they realize, hey, their, their parents are quote unquote idiots like the rest of us. Um, you know, this is not a warranted means to coming knowledge about Santa's existence. That kid can't go back and pretend to be rationally justified. He knows better now. He knows that he that is an unwarranted means for believing in Santa. Therefore, you're no longer rationally justified. It would be irrational to pretend like you are rationally justified when you know that you're unwarranted. Um, so that that's, a, in a nutshell, that's what my argument is. It's once you go unwarranted, you can't go back. Um, there is there is no rational justification. One can be rationally justified and unwarranted, but 
so long as they're unaware of that fact. Once you're aware of the fact that you're unwarranted, you can't pretend to be rationally justified. And yeah, that's my case there. Okay. So uh, in a nutshell, I disagree with uh, Plantinga's idea of warrant. Uh, and so I don't actually care. Uh, two, I land in the position that I was in earlier in the podcast. I don't, I don't actually care about warrant. I'm not, I'm not sure. Even understanding Plantinga's idea of it, it doesn't matter. Uh, three, I don't believe that evolution um, has a design toward uh, truth. And so this is a presupposition by um, someone making a straw man, I would say. I don't, I, don't, I don't believe that at all. I don't think that evolution gives a damn uh, whether we know true things or not. I don't think it gives a damn about anything because it can't give a damn. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I don't actually value truth as somehow the uh, target that evolution is shooting at. So I don't, I don't find your argument compelling at all. I would argue that we don't actually need what you consider truth or warrant to survive. Right. Uh, that's correct. We, we don't need it to survive. So you've actually totally agreed with everything I said. For, forget about the definition of planting as thing. You agree that evolutionary mechanisms don't give a dang about the truth or falsity of the beliefs. That We agree on that. We, we also agree um, that evolutionary mechanisms are geared, for, forget about design plan, you don't like those words, that the way they operate is based on survival value. So uh, I would not agree with that. I would say that I'm agnostic about that. I don't know what um, the highest evolutionary calling is. Uh, you might say it's survival on a broad in a broad sense, but you can't say it in the specific because people kill themselves all the time and people sacrifice themselves for a, a group. So, you know, individuals, uh, survival may not be the highest calling. Uh, and so you might say, well, it is for groups and individuals kind of act in a subconscious group way to make survival happen. I don't actually know. I don't know what the highest calling of survival is. Could be, could be reproduction. Uh, and, you know, right. some creatures will reproduce at their own peril. Uh, and so I, I, right. I, would, the, I would say that I'm agnostic about what the highest evolutionary calling is. Okay, great. So that, that doesn't, that's fine, right? There, there are evolutionary accounts of where altruism came from or self-sacrifice and that sort of thing. From the standpoint of survival of the fittest, you, you wouldn't deny that natural selection is a natural mechanism's you, you think it's true, right? Right. I, do, I think okay. it's a natural mechanism, and it's not concerned with anything. It's not pointing the arrow toward anything. Gotcha. Beautiful. So even if it, under this thing, I don't know what it's aimed for. It's not, it's not aimed towards anything. Um, you would admit there are cases where it can select false beliefs that accidentally lead to survival. Absolutely. It's not I think okay. I think religion is a um, an example of that. I think that religion has, in fact, helped uh, the species in some in some cases survive. I think that false notions of gods are, were useful because it was better than the alternative. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's it's but, our but cognitive the fact that, faculties. But the fact that we hang on to those ideas, it, it should be a case in point that. 
really truth is not the the issue. I mean, it was a good thing for yeah. some societies to sacrifice their babies. That doesn't mean that that was that 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 is a good thing overall, or that is a true thing. We still have people who believe it today. I mean, we have all kinds of dross left over from evolution. Um, evolution does not care. <laughs> it doesn't care exactly. about this baby. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so you don't realize, you're, you're proving my point. You agree entirely with the argument. We, we can just have no confidence that our cognitive faculties are providing us with true beliefs. I'm not Natural giving you isn't that aimed. point. I, I could give you that point. And I, I, you know, for, I don't know if it would be an interesting discussion if I just gave you the point, but I don't think it harms my point if I do. Um, I, but, just because but, but, I, just because sorry. I don't think that evolution has some kind of, uh, guidance toward us coming to truth doesn't mean that I don't think that we can, therefore, uh, that, that we, we have no way of knowing anything is true. So um, I think that we can know true things, but now we've got to have the discussion about knowledge. And this is where I would disagree uh, with uh, you and Plandiga uh, on maybe what knowledge, what constitutes knowledge and, um, and so forth. Forget about knowledge then, rational justification. Your rational, you provided a bunch of reasons that came from your cognitive faculties functioning, right? You you gave these various reasons, appeal to authority, uh, um, you can't control your beliefs, and your cognitive faculties go, this allows me to conclude that lack of belief is rational. Yes. Okay. And your cognitive faculties are produced by a process that isn't aimed at anything. It's it's not like it's designed to produce true beliefs. You sure you can go with that. So then that proves my point that you can't you can't you are not rationally justified. Once you know that, you are not rationally justified in lacking belief that is derived from the use of your cognitive faculties. Well, but I, I disagree with that because it's not just well, I'd say it's not just my cognitive faculties. We could argue that there's nothing but cognitive faculties. But I would say that my experience of the world, my, uh, my uh, senses as they interact with the world, my, um, the fact that I have a track record with the world of you know, doing A and causing B to happen. Um, so I, I think that there are things that we can... Uh, look at and say okay this this provides whatever you know truth is this is the this is a close enough equivalent to truth um i i do a and b happens uh that is true i, I don't i don't actually care about it philosophically beyond that point but i i, I actually want to see if i can take the thing you're saying and wrestle with that um because I don't. Once again, I don't know that it matters. Um, I don't... Well, just just so the audience knows, right? Everything that you just said is using your cognitive faculties. It's your cognitive faculties that take in the sense data and, and process it, and all of this. So you're still you're using your cognitive faculties to try and authenticate your cognitive faculties. You, right, but you... my cognitive faculties are good enough for uh, government work if it gets me where I'm trying to go. But so you don't know I don't, that. 
and like you, well, you're but, using... but, but it, I, but I got where I wanted to go. So I do know that. <laughs> so I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't okay. matter to me beyond that, whether they are philosophically functioning properly, they're functioning properly in that I had a goal. I used my cognitive faculties. I achieved my goal done. Not really, not really interested in what you think about my cognitive faculties beyond that. Beyond okay, well, then you're not interested. In, you're just being irrational. Then that's, that's fine. not irrational. That's that's yeah. truth. I, you know, my goal, you know, is that an achievable thing? Well, let's find out. Let's do these things uh, achieved. That that is true for me. Nobody. So I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what knowledge or truth or any of that means to you if it doesn't mean that. Right. So it's not true. You can't say that it's proven true you, because you're using your cognitive faculties to authenticate your own cognitive faculties. Sure, you, ben, I just don't know what you mean by true, nor do I care what you mean by true. It's true. It's true to me. Uh, I, I had a thing that I did not, you know, I could not be convinced was true. And I did the thing and the thing happened. That's true. That's knowledge. And if you've got knowledge that's somehow deeper than that, more mysterious than that, you know, bully for you, write a book. But, um, you know, for I think for the average person, that is knowledge, that soft is truth. Okay, well, yeah, it's, you're being, you're being irrational. The, the second you said that, that is, that is irrational. You are not rationally justified in well, anything. Tell me why it's not rational that the that I tested a thing and examined it and it turned out a certain way. And so I declare that now, now I know that thing. How is that not rational? On atheism, evolutionary atheism is not rational because how are you testing it? What, what are you using to test the authenticity of your cognitive faculties? Well, I, I don't know. For instance, um, you know, just, just as an example from my real life, um, I remember I went through a period of time where we're trying to figure out just the right kind of oven mitt or the right kind of pot holder so that we could reach in an oven, pick up heavy pans because we cooked a lot um, without getting burned uh, or without the pot holders of the mitts you know, getting damaged. And so we went through a lot of different ones um, and we eventually found one uh, that we could reach in, not burn our hands, not burn our arms, uh, the thing not be damaged, uh, and everything was comfortable. So that for us was a better pot holder that you know had various characteristics. We were using our, our, our you know broken faculties, you know if you want to call them broken, but we came up with an answer that worked, and that is that became knowledge and truth. Now once again, if you say, well, but that's not knowledge. And that's not true, and that's just being irrational. Well, I don't know. My hands don't burn when I reach in the oven, so that seems to be pretty rational to me. Yeah, but it, it's it's not. It's all you appeal all to sense data that are filtered through your cognitive facts. I'm saying my hand is burned, and I just don't know it. On, on evolutionary atheism, it could be. Well, um, it sounds you just like you're being irrational. Clean, <laughs> that sounds sci very sci-fi well, to me. Well, <laughs> We are irrational because we know that's not true. We, we are warranted in saying that our sense data is reliable, but on evolutionary atheism, you are not. You are, and therefore you're not rationally justified in- Is, in is my hand sense. burned or not? <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm asking, not entirely sure how- asking an argument. 
on the argument we just the argument says look it doesn't care about whether it's true or not about your hand being burnt it's saying that we can't know we can never be but rash I should know justified. that my hand is not burned I, I know that it was burned when I use other uh, kinds no you can't so, you can't know that though okay okay wait, wait. <laughs> how can I know that what do you mean okay, let, me, let me speak as a Christian then great beautiful I agree with you that we can know that your hand is not burned but then that proves that atheism is false because evolutionary atheism is false because you are using a something beyond just evolutionary produced cognitive faculties there must be something beyond that that is allowing you to come to knowledge to come to a rational warranted true belief um, see, so that would is, imply why just so the audience can understand when I said I don't care about your idea of warrant this is what I was talking about because it gets it gets this weird go ahead though go <laughs> But it, but it is weird. It's a fun, like David Hume got this, right? He talks about the, um, what's it called? Hang on one second. It's, he talks about being paralyzing. This is, you don't this care is about No, I'm not as smart as Hume. This doesn't, this doesn't make any sense to me. My hand is not burned. I'm looking at it right now. I, can I, reach I agree the with hot you. Oven I, I agree 500 degrees. I can pick up something heavy without my hand being burned, and it used to burn. And I went through some things, and now I know some things I didn't know before. And you're telling me I don't know it. I don't. <laughs> so, so put it this way: I believe you that you know it, and I'm and I'm glad that you claim to have at least some knowledge claims. Um, I I personally agree with you. We do have knowledge because our fact our cognitive faculties are reliably designed to produce true beliefs they were designed by god so this is a remnant that you have but what i'm saying is that assuming a evolution and atheism are true you cannot know that the fact that you're saying but i do know it is like boom atheism's false then or or evolution is false that the true the two the conjunction of the two cannot be true we we cannot or we can't know that the two are true um, it's a lesser claim. It's not necessarily. One, I can't be huh? the only one thinking that you have not made this case that because I know something evolution is false. I mean, I mean that atheism is false. I just don't. That's that's like saying because I want to do something good that the moral morality came from God and therefore atheism is false. That's that's what this argument feels like, and I find it just as absurd. Yeah, no offense. So that's that's a total mischaracterization. You you understand this well enough when people I go back. I promise I do not. I well, there, well, people there are go times back when I this, might act dumb for effect. I am not acting. I am as well, <laughs> as dumb you as you think I am right now. <laughs> you understand it well enough uh, when it comes to theism as the foundation, right? Remember episode two and three uh, of season one. You you understood how to press epistemological foundations well enough there. But when it comes to your own thing, you I think that you're spotting the problem, right? And and no, I don't know, you, you want to adopt this sophist approach, the Greek sophists who came up with the pragmatic argument. Again, that the pragmatic are oh, you know, they were debating the pre-Socratics who were saying, Well, what's the nature of reality? I think it's fire, I think it's earth, I think it's fire and earth, whatever. And the and the Sophists would come in and give this pragmatic argument along the lines of what you did. It's like, look, we don't know, we can't, we can't know, and we don't care. But the 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 world seems to work out practically. So let's just go with the illusions. We don't have to care about these yeah, questions. I'm one, I'm one of those. Turn guys. off your. Yeah. So you're turning <laughs> off your brain, and they're wrong because in the first place, they they came up with a logical argument. They're using 
this notion of knowledge to come to make this pragmatic argument in the first place. And in, in this same way, I'm saying that's what you're doing. You're using your cognitive faculties through sense data to test those cognitive faculties, and that is an illegitimate. It's circular. It's viciously circular reasoning. Okay. You can't. Let me, do- let me just take the sophist position um, entirely. I just, first time I'm hearing this word, but it, I think it's uh, when I when I was saying earlier. Let me just take the the harshest uh, look at your argument and take that on. I don't care. It does not. I don't think it matters whether we have what you call warrant or not. I don't think it matters whether we have one true thing whether we know one true thing in the universe. Because uh, I, I think practically speaking, uh, we can still get through this earth the same way apes get through uh, this life. Uh, and they don't, they don't know any true things uh, about the world either from, from your perspective. Mm-hmm. It does not matter. They can live long, happy lives, long, happy ape lives. The, the earthworm knows no true things about the world. Um, the, the turkey, one of the stupidest creatures God ever made, knows no true things about the world, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and so, as a human who is perfectly happy with being human, I honestly don't care. Uh, gotcha. Because I know enough true things about the world to be a good human. I'm done. I'm fine. You're the one who's interested in wanting to be something more than that. And I do not. I don't, I don't care. Okay. Um, I, I hear you. I, this is so this is I, I, it's a good it's a good response, but it's it's totally it's skeptical to the point of foolishness to me. It, it You're just saying I can look, I can accept what David Hume calls the quote unquote paralyzing dialectical loop. Um, I'm, I'm just an absolute skeptic. I know I know nothing. But hey, I'm, I, ignorance is bliss. I'm, I'm happy in my ignorance. Pragmatically speaking, I can turn off my brain and just go about living my lives. But I, I don't uh, turn off my brain. I use the brain to the best of my ability. You're the one who's saying my brain isn't functioning right. Okay, cool. My brain isn't functioning right. But it, but it gets me across the street without getting run over. It gets me a gallon of milk uh, every, every three days or so. Uh, it, it gets me to work on time and it gets me, you know, competence at a tough job. It does all kinds of things for me. And you're the one who's insisting that it's not working right. And I'm just I'm saying, not saying okay, that. Cool. I'm, I'm assuming it is working right. Rock on. on evolutionary atheism. It's it's working for survival value. It's it's doing perfect. It's, it's doing what it's, it's supposed to do. It's, it's not fine. I'm, I'm happy being a lower animal, uh, the the non-spiritual lower animal we call humans. I'm, you know, for for you it's like the earthworm, and that's fine. The earthworm never has this conversation, and so they never get the headache that I'm developing right now. Uh, over <laughs> so, so, so I'll, I'll just I'll I'll say this. So in the first place, yes, I you are literally turning. You have to turn off your brain to do that because you are aware of the fact that you don't have a proper epistemic foundation. You you just have to be logically in this state of absolute s- skepticism, which also leads to logical contradiction because but I'm not in you, a state of absolute skepticism you're the one who thinks that I should be I, I, I don't know maybe if I was smarter I would be but I'm not in a state of absolute skepticism I'm not yeah. I think that I think you used a better term uh, before uh, absolute agnosticism uh, where sure. you just yeah. can't know anything about the world 
Sure, yeah. I am not in a state of absolute agnosticism, but let's just say for the sake of argument that I was. Let's say that I am in a paralyzing state of agnosticism. Well, I don't have to be paralyzed by it. Just because I don't know uh, whether I should go left or right doesn't mean that I can't make some decisions uh, and get to where I want to go. So I may, I may always say, I don't know if this is the right thing or not, but I'm going to do it. And then, you know, if that produces me getting to where I want to go and doing what I want to do and accomplishing what I want to accomplish, that's good enough for me. Right. So, so that's fine. But in order to do that, you are turning off your brain. You are irrational in doing that. I'm not you are turning ignoring. off my brain. I'm using the full capacity of my no, brain. No, you're not. Because full capacity would deal with this epistemic foundation issue. And you are refusing to do that. You don't want to do that because then it would imply that you don't have any knowledge about no, any. I don't think that your epistemic foundation is any more useful than your moral foundation um, in a in a, an evolutionary uh, naturalistic uh, world. Once again, evolution doesn't care whether I'm right or not. I don't know what it cares about, but I don't think it cares whether I'm right. So let's just take your formulation. It just cares that I survive. Great. Um, you know, maybe I live a hundred happy years on this earth. Uh, and I only have the illusion that I was using my brain. That's still good enough for me. Because I think that I am using my brain to make a good argument, and I think that it is su a, a sufficient argument, and you're saying that it's not. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe you are that much smarter than me, and you can see some other aspect of this that just escapes me. But that's not going to stop me from having a great day. Yeah, correct. But but in order to have that great day, you 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 get it right. You you just said maybe I, I'm correct about this epistemic foundation. You don't have it. Great. That's in order to have the great day. Then you're you're having to turn off your brain and let's just go with the flow. Uh, hey, uh, it doesn't seem to me like it's I've got a burned hand or whatever. But you are acknowledging in that that you don't have knowledge and if you acknowledge that you, you're aware no, of the I'm fact not acknowledging that I don't have knowledge I'm acknowledge, I'm acknowledging that I may not have knowledge based on your idea of knowledge and where you think knowledge should come from once again it's like the Christian ar argument about morality I, I'm not arguing that I don't have morality simply because I don't believe in your God but the Christian would say no without God there's no such thing as a moral foundation well you're batshit crazy for believing that uh, there, there are plenty of ways to derive a moral foundation, and I think there are plenty of ways to derive epistemic foundation. Uh, I don't need your God's sense of um, knowledge or logic or, or warrant uh, to get there. So you were just locked into the idea that that's the only way to justify warrant, and I, I just think you're wrong about that. I just don't feel like it, I don't feel the necessity to argue you out of that position. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. In this, I guess I can leave it this way then, because you you are just adopting the, the pragmatist approach. Like we we are saying, you, you are acknowledging the argument, even though I, I get that you think that you're you're not. And I'm acknowledging what you're saying about the pragma the sophist approach or the pragmatism. People can and do do that all the time. Um, but if, if you want to be ra considered rational, then d all I would say is this. Don't don't complain. Christians are absolutely right when they call an evolutionary atheist um, irrational. You, you cannot be rationally justified and can never be rationally justified 
using a set of cognitive faculties that are solely the result of natural selection or genetic mutation and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, um, if yeah, I guess check out check out the sources and you guys can decide decide for yourself. Um, yeah. So if and, there's and, someone uh, out there who thinks that I did not win this debate, uh, write in. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> put it in the comments. But also, skeptics and seekers uh, at gmail dot com. Uh, that comes directly to. Uh, both are inboxes. If it's something for Dale and I see that he hasn't responded to in a while, I usually back channel and send it to him, make sure that he's at that attention. Uh, so you can you can send to either one of us that way. If you do want to send to one of us saying, you know, that other guy's an idiot, that's probably not the best way to do it because we, <laughs> we both have access to that email. <laughs> now, granted, I don't mind. I mean, if I see that, I'll just pass it on to Dale. I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with it. But um, yeah, send us uh, send us a little bit more of your feedback. I mean, we're having this discussion in real time. Obviously, we've thought about this stuff for a long time. We've thought about this stuff over the you know week or so that you know we've written up the blogs, uh, you know, and done any back channeling about this subject. But you guys have some thoughts about it too, and so I would like to just follow up on this a little bit next week and um, see uh, see what we missed. Uh, on either side and uh, I am content for that to be my last word cool alright yeah uh, good good show I hope people enjoy it and um, yeah please check out the sources as I said I'll, I'll give Alvin Plantinga's actual scholarly article giving the argument I also got various video f videos for people so a, a short four minute video about it a, a 15 minute video and then a longer one with Plantinga that's about an hour so yeah, you guys can get acquainted with with the argument in whatever format works for you. Yeah, and uh, this is a special call out to Val, uh, who is a philosophy wonk in in ways that I am not, and a lot of this is very philosophically dense. I am quite certain that I have said a lot of things wrong <laughs> over the course of the last hour. Uh, I invite you to write in, uh, Val. I, I will just say up front, whatever you write about this, I will read and talk about and follow up next week because it's going to be more intelligent than whatever I just said. Uh, yeah, I, I would say you did pretty pretty decent. Like, yeah, that, that you did. Uh, yeah, like it, or <laughs> I, I think that you supported my point. This is this pragmatic argument is what I think the only thing that evolutionary atheists can do and it that's what i'm talking about when when you're reacting and saying no but i, I do have knowledge i didn't burn my hand i know it um this is what i mean when i'm talking about uh, you know atheists evolutionary atheists borrowing from a theistic epistemic foundation in order I mean, to i am a pragmatist but i don't think that's borrowing from theism so that's that's the that's the difference once again i i equate it to the moral argument because a lot of people are familiar with that it's like saying, well, you know, if you if you claim to have any moral foundation, then you're then you're claiming uh, God, and that's not true. Uh, and so, in in the same way, I think more simplistically than Dale is saying here, if you're claiming to have uh, epistemic uh, foundation, then you're claiming God. And again, I would say that's not true. You're just trying to make a land grab uh, for God that is not, dare I say, warranted. 
Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, you get the last word this week since I since it's my topic. So, oh, yeah. So you you kind of get the last word because it was my. Well, I mean, we both get that we both had topics. Oh well, screw it. Uh, oh, hey yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it, I hope you guys enjoyed Actually, the show. Feedback next week. You guys get the last word. So how's that? Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye right. bye. Bye everyone.